Good morning and happy Friday to you. Dark and dreary and wet and not quite cold yet, but getting colder as the morning goes on here at home. But that's okay. That's okay because there are more important things in life than the weather. There's our call to sainthood. And we're called to sainthood even if the weather isn't great. Here we are on a Friday morning. It is January 12th. Let's begin our time together in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a good morning to you, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We are going to wrap up some of what we began last week at the Seek 24 conference. I believe we have our final interview that we taped last week. Uh, what a great week it was. You know, here we are a week later. It feels like it's already been a month. Um, time flies, right? But here we are, and uh, this morning on the show, we're going to hear from Bishop Thomas Paprocki of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. Uh, really, I've, I've kind of adopted them as my, my second diocese, or they, I should say they've adopted me, the, the kind folks in that diocese. Every time I see them, they're just fantastic. But by the same token, you just right up the road in Peoria, Illinois. I, I want to be adopted there too. You know, I love, I love going to some of these places. I love going to pretty much all of the places I get to go. Let's just be quite frank about that. Uh, Jefferson City, Cape Girardeau, Belleville. Yeah, just let's just hit the road and let's go. Today we also have for our radio listeners a homily on Our Lady as the New Ark, and then we have a homily on Remember Thy End and Thou Shall Never Sin. You know, memento mori, ponder the four last things. It's a great motivation for not sinning. Take it just like that. I mean, we'll hear what Father has to say about that. He's going to have more to say, but... Uh, it's pretty basic. If you remember the fact that when you die, you're either going to heaven or hell, and how you live your life now on this earth makes a, plays a big role in that. It's really your choice. Are you going to accept God's grace? Are you going to strive to stay in that state of sanctifying grace? Are you going to ask God for the grace you need to get back into a state of sanctifying grace? Are you going to go to the sacraments? Are you going to go to reconciliation? Are you going to go to Mass? Are you going to frequently receive our Lord in Holy Communion? Are you going to live a life of virtue and prayer, or are you not? That's your decision to make, and the consequences of those decisions are eternal. We'll hear about that on the show today. I do want to know what the weather is going to be because, uh, you know, every day it's changed just a little bit what they were predicting for today and for the weekend. So let's go now to Mike Roberts for today's weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Marguerite Bourgeois. Born in France in the early 17th century, Marguerite joined the Confraternity of Notre Dame when she was in her mid-teens and soon became a teacher. She applied for entrance into the Carmelites but was not accepted. Not long after, the governor of the new French settlement in what is now Montreal met Marguerite while visiting France and his sister and asked her to come to Canada to start a new school. When she arrived in 1653, the settlement had just 200 people and no children, so she used her time and her efforts to build the first permanent church, Our Lady of Good Counsel. Eventually, children did come along, and Marguerite realized she'd need help, so she traveled back to France and recruited her friend, Catherine Crono, 
and to others. She was given a stone stable to teach her students in and started a school going back to France a second time to recruit six more women to teach. Marguerite founded the Congregation of Notre Dame, and in addition to teaching, she and others provided care and housing for young women coming to the New World while interviewing the young men who hoped to marry them. She also started a school for indigenous girls. She once wrote, All I have ever desired is that the great precept of love of God above all things and of love of neighbor as oneself be written in every heart. She died on this day in 1700 at the age of 79. St. Marguerite Bourgeois, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom, that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. I like to think of this as bonus time at SEEK because there are so many great people we get to meet and so many great interviews we get to do. We don't get to fit them all into the show live, so we have to pre-record some of them. And very happy to say, Patty, that we have an opportunity to sit down with Bishop Thomas John Paprocki from the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. And it's always good to see you, always good to have you on always. the show, but it's great to be with you here at SEEK, Your Excellency. Oh, it's so exciting to be here uh, the second year in a row. Uh, SEEK was here last year with about 17,000. I'm told there's about 20,000 this year, so it's growing. I'm trying to, to urge them to come here every year. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. certainly <laughs> convenient for us. It you know, certainly it's, is. It's a short drive for us, but we get people coming from all over. The Archbishop of Cologne, in Germany, was here at Mass this morning. Wow. A couple really? other bishops from Germany, Ireland. We've got people coming from all over the world uh, for this. So it's it's really exciting to see all these people here. I, I was telling your curious staff earlier that uh, I've pretty much adopted your diocese. As, if I had a second diocese, it would be the Diocese of Springfield. And not just because of the great booth here on Mission yeah. Way and, and the wonderful stuff they have every year. Well, you're always welcome. I, oh, I love it. You want to buy a summer home in Springfield or something. <laughs> I have been thinking about our time together today here at this event and remembering our time together. Uh, we didn't get to really speak that day because you were all over the place in Springfield at the Bank of Springfield Center for the Eucharistic Congress. But what a wonder. It, it was like the, the preview, the coming attraction. Like, here's 5,000 people gathering for a beautiful day of talks and faith and prayer with our Lord. And that's just a taste of, of what we're going to have at the beginning of January. But I, I wanted to start off with that. I mean, First off, that was an amazing day, and what a blessing that has to have been for the diocese. That was. It, it was awesome. It was uh, uh, 5,000 people at the Bank of Springfield Convention Center in Springfield. Uh, I've been telling people it was the feeding of the 5,000. There's something biblical about that, I think. But <laughs> Perfect it, number. I think it, it, there were a lot of miracles, a lot of wonderful things that happened that day. Um, so we had 5,000 people, just to kind of give the context, uh, in the convention center. Uh, there was a papal blessing with a plenary indulgence attached to that, so we had a lot of people wanting to go to confession. There were long lines of confession. 
uh, we had priests assigned to hear confessions. We had to press more, more priests as they were coming in the door. Hey, could you go down and hear some confessions? They even had me hearing confessions, too. So uh, that was really great. But uh, at the um, bishops' meeting, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in uh, November, um, Bishop uh, Andrew Cousins, who is the national chairman of the National Eucharistic Revival, gave a report on the National Eucharistic Revival. And then he invited bishops to get up and give a little report on what's happening in their diocese. So I was actually the first one up because it was just a couple of weeks after our Diocesan Eucharistic Congress. So I was telling them, I said, we had 5,000 people and I'm still getting positive comments and rave reviews. And I said, the amazing thing is I have not gotten a single complaint hmm. from that day. I mean, you do something with 5,000 people and nobody complains. Wow. Uh, that, I said, that is a miracle in itself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, Patty, I wish you could have been there. It was an absolutely beautiful day. Great talks by Dr. Scott Hahn. Father Chase Hilgenbring, Sister Mary Carolyn Noons, wow. Father Dennis Robinson, Great a beautiful lineup. homily by Bishop Aprocki, and the Mass. Your, Your Excellency, there's something I was thinking about this last night. I thought of it that day at the Mass at the, the Bank of Springfield Center at the Eucharistic Congress. You know, we read in Scripture where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst of them. But it, it, it takes on just a whole new dynamic, a whole new level, when it's two or 3,000 or 5,000 or, in this case, 20,000. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, how our openness to God's grace when we gather together, you know, what effect that has on each of us. Am I wrong in thinking that you know, something different is happening in a venue like this when we're all gathered together than perhaps is what's happening when it's just my wife and kids and I in the home, as beautiful as that moment is, that that outpouring of grace takes on a whole new dimension. Yes, I think that is a, a crucial component of our, our church. Uh, uh, Christ founded the church. He said to Peter and the apostles, you are a Peter on this rock, I will build my church. And he was not talking about you know building a structure, he is the community. And uh, that is even in the Old Testament, you know, the whole people of God is the people of Israel and, and uh, the whole sense of being together in community. So it's the sense of strength in numbers, you know, that uh, Christianity is not some kind of a personal philosophy. You just read this book and then you know how to be a Christian. No, it's, it's being together. And so when you come to something like this, 20,000 people here, you, you just feel the energy. And I would have to imagine how positive it is for young people to come to something like this. You know, as I go and visit our parishes, uh, we have a lot of small rural parishes, and, and sometimes I'll just I'll see two, three teenagers there, and I, I, I'm thinking, well, it must be hard for them. They're looking around like, where are other people my age? Hmm. And then they come to something like this, and there's thousands of people their age. Right. It's like, oh, there are other people my age that, I, that believe. So, you know, it gives, um, for me, a great hope for the future. Having said that, there's also something in terms of, I think, the I would say sort of the quality of those that come here, like at the convention center at our, our mass uh, in Springfield. It was not just that we had 5,000 people there, but it was 5,000 people that wanted to be there and yes. that were going to pray together. I mean, I say mass a lot of times in our cathedral for a full church for confirmation, and you just get the sense there, there are probably a good number of aunts and uncles that are there because they, they have to be there, you know, somebody in their family is being confirmed. And, uh, but at, with the, with the Bank of, of Springfield Center, when we had people there, they were praying together. You could hear it. They were singing together. Even in my homily, you know, I, I often use songs in my, my homilies. And uh, sometimes it'll be a pop song, and I wind up sort of doing a solo. And uh, this time I, I, I very intentionally wanted people to sing with me. Mm -hmm. So I ended the homily on a Marian theme. Our, our patroness, of course, is the Immaculate Conception. And so I had everybody... Uh, uh, singing the Ma uh, Immaculate Mary with me. And, and the, here we have 5,000 people joining in the chorus, Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. And it was just beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
that's one of the things I also wanted to ask about is in this time of Eucharistic revival, the, the transformative power of these events, because it's certainly not an everyday experience where you're in a, an arena or a dome or whatever it may be with this many people. This is certainly a, a special event. But I remember last year, if I could paint this picture for you, the, the first morning of our broadcast, we were having some technical difficulties. And so right as we go off the air, Patty said, well, I'm going to go to Mass. And, and our engineer, Joe, and I said, we got to stay here. we got to fix some things. So you go to Mass, pray for us. Uh, hopefully we'll make it. We, we didn't. But at the end of Mass, Patty came running across this giant room that we're in here on Mission Way and said, you're not going to believe what just happened at the end of Mass. Everybody immediately just went into the St. Michael prayer. And then they sang Salve Regina. And then the room was dead silent for 15 minutes. And everybody was in there on their knees in prayer. And finally, the host had to come out and say, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. But the sessions are going to begin. So we actually need you to, to get up and, and move out of this room. <laughs> it was and, incredible. And I can only imagine that if Patty came running across this exposition hall that we're in to tell me that, how many people from this event are going to go back to their diocese, including the Diocese of Springfield, and say, let me tell you about how beautiful of an experience I had at Mass. And how can that be part of this Eucharistic revival, especially as we move into this phase where we're now trying to go out and reach out to those who are not in our pews, who are not coming to Mass, who are not Catholic, to share these beautiful lived experiences and behind them, not just you know, the, the good quality of the music and the desire of the people gathered together, but the transformative power of grace to say, I, I had a moment that was incredible and I want to share that with you. I imagine we, we need people to, to leave here and to leave these events and go and share this with their friends. Well, absolutely, and, and to be, in a sense, strategic about it. You know, I give a lot of credit to Curtis Martin and the folks with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students. It, it's, uh, it's very systematic, and it's very well organized. So, uh, actually, Curtis has written a short little book on that. It, it, it basically, it's the, it's the same model Jesus used. You know, he, Jesus started with 12 apostles he didn't he didn't go out right away saying oh I, I need to start working with the great multitudes of people he started with with his 12 apostles and then from there sort of the the, the pyramid effect and uh, Curtis has done that obviously very effectively here to be able to build up something like this that keeps growing a little bit every year and and so for us to go back to our, our parishes and our communities and say well how can how can we imitate this model uh, again small groups small communities uh, you don't have to think gee I've got I've got to convert the whole town all at once. No, just start you know, with smaller groups and then have people invite other people to join you, and that's how it grows. And it's simple word of mouth. I mean, it's just, it sounds crazy, but really the bottom line for all the technology that we have, word of mouth, when you've had a positive experience at SEEK or a Eucharistic Congress, whatever it is, you come back and you say, this was phenomenal. And in our case here in St. Louis, how lucky we are to have had this now two years in a row. So those of us who were here last year could tell our family and friends, this was incredible. And then sure enough, the numbers this year speak to the fact that this has grown. It's bigger and better this year than it even was last year. But I think that truly is word of mouth. Well, it is. And I, I try to emphasize that when I uh, when I do parish visits and I tell them the importance of, of invitation, which is very proactive. I mean, you see a lot of churches with signs that say all are welcome. And, and that's fine, but it's also very passive. You could be sitting in the church and just waiting for somebody to walk through the door and say, well, welcome. We're happy to have you here. And that's welcoming. 
But my question is, how do you get them through the door in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, uh, Patty. It's, it's word of mouth. Why do people go to movies? Why do they read books? Because somebody said, hey, I saw this great movie or I read this great book. You got to read this book. Or a restaurant or whatever. And exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but how often do we do that and say, hey, we got some wonderful things going on at my parish. You should mm-hmm. come and see. Right. You know, but that's, right. that's exactly how to do it. Well, it has been a joy to sit down and spend this time with you. I'm always grateful for our time together. And, uh, again, you know, I am still looking back at that October Saturday afternoon, really morning and afternoon. I left St. Louis at at about 7 a.m., dropped the kids off at my parents' house and crossed over on Interstate 255. And right as I was doing that, the sun was coming up, and I said, this is going to be a beautiful day. So thank you for that day with the Eucharistic Congress, and thank you for your presence here with the diocese. And I, I know it's so convenient for many just on the other side of the river in Alton and the surrounding area, but even just coming down Highway 55 to be with us this week. Well, and actually, that uh, it was a great event in our diocese, but sort of a foretaste of what's going to happen next summer at the yes. National yeah. Eucharistic Congress. And we'll be there for that, we'll too. be there for that. Mm-hmm. And so we have uh, also the Eucharistic processions. There'll be the four legs uh, coming from the four directions. We'll actually have the western leg coming from San Francisco through the western states, through Missouri, up through Belleville, and then into our diocese in Springfield uh, will be from July 8th to the 12th. And uh, so it'll be coming up into uh, Alton, uh, up to Quincy. It's not going to be exactly a straight line. We want to go to Father Augustine Tolton's grave in Quincy, uh, down to the Dominican Monastery in Girard. Uh, then through uh, through uh, Springfield, our, our cathedral, the uh, the Norbertine Priory there, and then through Effingham and Teutopolis, wow. and then out to Indianapolis. I, I think it's going to be great. We've had some chances to talk with uh, the National Eucharistic Revival on the show and to hear about that pilgrimage. And then I, I'm starting to get word from St. Louis about what, what's going to be happening here in the Archdiocese. And they said, and then you're just going to go right across the river and then come to find out that actually uh, they're going to stop before that in Jefferson City, which is yes. kind of the, the western edge of Covenant Network. So we're, we're particularly graced here yes. in our radio network that this pilgrimage is going to go right through right the heart through, of our yeah. broadcast is, area. Yes, for sure. So, uh, Your Excellency, could I ask for your blessing for our listeners? Absolutely, yes. Let's pray. Here we are in this context during our Christmas season as we continue to, to celebrate the all the great events associated with the birth of our Lord and his incarnation. And as we begin this new year, we ask your blessings upon uh, all those, especially the young people attending the SEEK conference here, uh, as well as those that are not not able to be with us but are here in spirit and help uh, them to join their hearts uh, with ours so that we all may grow more deeply in our love of the Lord and our uh, faithfulness to uh, the church and the practice of our faith. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It was great to spend that time with Bishop Paprocki last week, and since we had that conversation, there's actually been some new information released about the National Eucharistic Congress that I'd love to share with you today. Uh, They have new pricing out for families, and it's really incredible. You know, you might be saying, well, I'd like to go... I'd like to go maybe for the full thing. I'd like to go just for the day. They have weekend passes out. And I was at a uh, media event yesterday on Zoom where they were walking through some of the things. Check it out, eucharisticcongress.org or eucharisticrevival.org, and then you just click on Congress. But if you go to click on registration before you even have to put in any information, so you can click registration without committing to anything, you can see that for families with children, The passes for the full event are $299 for parents, $250 for teenagers ages 13 through 18, and then children 12 and under are free. 
Uh, something I've heard that some people are going to be doing, which I think is just incredible, is they're actually arranging campgrounds um, at, at some of the public campgrounds in Indianapolis, and they're going and camping. I mean, there's still hotel space available. Tim Glumkowski told us that earlier in the week, uh, but they're going and they're making a real pilgrimage. Or they're going to they're going to be camping. So something to consider. It's going to be an incredible event, and one I know I'm looking forward to. We are wrapping up our week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, where we have been looking at spiritual journaling with Patty Schneier, who has been so gracious to share some of her journal entries with us as food for thought for our own reflection. And Patty, I look forward to another reflection point today. Well, have you ever been in adoration when the next adorer didn't show up? Well, recently on a Monday morning, I was not the scheduled adorer, but was just there for my morning hour of prayer at nine o'clock. But the 10 o'clock adorer didn't show and the nine o'clock man, he needed to leave. So he basically just asked me, could I stay? And I said, of course. Now, when that happens, and it's happened to me many times, I just assume that God wants me there for another hour. For some reason, I'm meant to stay. I must need it. And when... That happens, sure enough, God usually has a gift for me during that second hour. So here's what happened. I happened to be reading the Word on Fire Bible, and I was reading from Mark's Gospel, Chapter 7, about the Syrophoenician woman. Now, you all know the story. She's the woman who asked Jesus to heal her daughter, possessed by a demon. And Jesus says to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And then she replies, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Okay, so we all kind of know that story. We always kind of think that Jesus was a little rough with her and that whole issue about the dogs and children and all that is a little bit hard for us to hear. So Bishop Barron gave a reflection, and here's what he commented and said, and this is what I read. The woman is resisted, not because Jesus is having a bad day, but because he wants the strength of her faith to show itself. And it does. So once again, one word stirred my heart, resisted, the word resistance. And here's what I wrote in my journal. Jesus, right now, I feel like I am facing a lot of resistance in my life. And I get frustrated. Perhaps resistance is an opportunity for the strength of my faith and my trust in you to show itself. Resistance is not to be feared or dreaded. It is a gift. You allow resistance to exercise faith. Just like when I go to physical therapy for my bad arm and my elbow and my shoulder, I need resistance bands The resistance bands are key to any strengthening of my arm. I have been fighting any and all resistance in my life recently. Help me to see resistance in a new light. Strengthen my faith. Let it show itself and reveal hope, trust, joy, and love even in the midst of resistance. So that's what I wrote in my journal that day about resistance. So here's my question for you. Do you experience resistance on a daily basis, maybe from your teenager? 
Do you have a two-year-old who resists any and all instructions? Do you have family members who resist your good intentions or your suggestions? Is your faith revealed, however, when you meet with resistance? Lately, mine has not, and I know I need to grow in this area. So ponder that today, and maybe if you get a few minutes, just journal about that with God. And that's what happened to me during that second hour of adoration. And I was off and running in my journal because of one word, resistance. I love that perspective that you shared with us on resistance today because it's one, I'm sure I've heard it before, but I do not remember it. And what a great lesson it is. Patty, thank you for not only today's Daily Dose of Encouragement, but another wonderful week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, that is our week, and what a great week it has been with you. On Monday, we're going to take a look at some pro-life activities happening here in the region because it is a month that we often think of our pro-life work, especially with next Friday being the day of prayer for legal protection of the unborn. But in the interim, you know, I think the biggest reminder from today is to remember death and to contemplate death as grave as that sounds you know one day we are all going to die we are all going to face judgment and are we going to have regrets i wish i would have done more of this well today is it this is the first day tomorrow's not the first day tomorrow's the second day today's the first day of the rest of your life and we're going to go full speed ahead we're going to run to love himself we're going to run to our lord And we're going to ask for every last grace we can to have a conversion each and every day, to live a life of holiness each and every day. We can't do it without him. He gives us the sacraments. He gives us the rich treasury of prayers. He gives us a beautiful mind to contemplate him. How often do you do that? You know, I I often share that I sit here in my desk chair at the studio and across from me on the wall is a beautiful image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I just love to stare and contemplate as he holds his sacred heart in his left hand and with his right hand he gestures as if to say, Adam, this is for you. And if you were standing here with me or sitting in a chair next to me, he'd be offering it to you saying, this is for you. And the reality is you don't even have to be right here seeing the picture. He's offering you himself. He's offering you his grace He's offering you himself in the most holy Eucharist. So what are you going to do today? How are you going to be different today than you were yesterday? How are you going to be holier today? How are you going to ask for that grace you need today? What are you going to say no to today? What kind of, you know, it's Friday. It's a day of penance. You know, so we are called to abstain from meat or do some other form of penance. What are you going to do today? That's the question before us. Think of the answer. What's your answer going to be? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Have I told you about the Catholic Men for Christ Conference coming up in February, men? I'd love to see you there here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's a Saturday. It's a full day. There's mass. There's great speakers, including Dr. Ed Shree, Pete Burak, Father Anthony Wick, Archbishop Rzanci is going to be there. I'm going to be your MC for the day. Sean Feltz will be doing music and leading us in prayer and song throughout the day as well. There's still early bird registration at $30. Instead of 40, so you could just go to CatholicMenForChrist.com, CatholicMenForChrist, I'm sorry, CatholicMenForChrist.org and register today to get that early bird pricing. Until next time, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning here on Covenant Network. And if you want to have that daily conversion we talked about, you want to grow in holiness each and every day, well, I can think of one great way to do that, and that's Pray your rosary today and ask the Blessed Mother to intercede for you, that you would grow closer to her son. So do it. Pray your rosary today.